so good to see you i feel like it's been forever since i've been able to do one of these uh i'm your host andrew khan this is the boomtown pod uh season two man it's been a ton of fun we've done a ton of things throughout the, the duration of season two so far and we're only getting started we've only touched the surface of what we're going to be getting into but we of course we can't do these great podcasts that i do without some amazing sponsors, including the Saskatchewan Podcast Network, Blue Collar Media Group, Stellar Gear, Sandman Boxing System, Connexus Credit Union, and Palisathena's Women Fighting Championship, who I'm going to get into because I was part of the first event, and it was absolutely amazing. Clayton and crew crushed it. I mean, this event was the craziest thing I've ever witnessed, but I'm going to get into that once I do, of course, our weekly segment called The Week That Was. Now, that's sponsored by Sandman Boxing System out here in Saskatoon. They are great. They've had some really good luck as of late with Alliance Boxing. Shout out to Noah and Cole and all of the great uh, fighters out there created. Shout out to you. You guys have done some amazing things in the city of Saskatoon and continue to develop an amazing program. So keep doing what you're doing. Now, again, the week that was is the segment. So let's dive into it. UFC Vegas 47, Strickland versus Hermanson was our main event. Uh, it felt like forever since I watched a UFC event, to be honest, because I've been just so damn busy. So it was good to see something uh, of great caliber with Sean Strickland and Jack Hermanson. Now, Jack Hermanson, a great fighter. I had texted uh, Felicia Spencer, and I was like, hey, who do I roll with in this fight? Because I, I couldn't, you know, I didn't know. Sean Strickland is such a, a wild dude, and you never know what he's going to provide when it comes to a fight. So I was a little skeptical on taking him to begin with. It just, I've seen so many sparring videos and the training videos and all this other stuff where he's kind of a whack job. And uh, nonetheless, he he pulled it out. It was a great victory. He had picked the Parker Manson pretty much the get-go of this first round, I mean, realistically, he was out-countering him, out-punching him, out-working him. He was being strategic. He didn't really, didn't really move much, but he was so calculated in the way that Hermanson, the more that he came into it, got frustrated beyond belief. He just, it looked like, you know, Hermanson tried a couple of takedowns, tried to get inside of him, but every time you get inside, uh, Strickland would hit him with like a four-piece combo. It was, it was really, really impressive from Strickland's camp. And it's crazy. Strickland had this amazing performance, and he still hasn't cracked the top five, which I'm still kind of curious on, especially because Romanson's at a top time, uh, top ten competition level. So I guess we shall see what happens with Strickland, who they match him up with. I mean, kind of a weird scenario for Sean Strickland, and even he said it on his Twitter. He's like, I have no idea who I'm going to face next. I guess whoever, bring it on, bring it on, right? So, I mean, that was our main event, and like I said, Sean Strickland getting the uh, decision victory uh, over Jack Hermanson. I'm sure Hermanson will be back. Uh, he was doing a lot of crazy things, Hermanson. He was really busy. His head movement was elite. And he was also really, really good. I will say this at head movement on a guy with Strickland who's a really good 
puncher. So, I mean, shout out to Jack Romanson. He's no slouch. I'm sure he's going to come back and be as strong as ever. Now, our co-main event uh, featured a couple guys that you might not have heard of. And that's always for the better sometimes. Now, me, I've heard of these people. Nick Maximoff, uh, a prodigy of the 209 camp. Of course, he's training with the Diaz brothers. Uh, he goes in with an undefeated record against Mr. Soriano. And, I mean, I'll tell you right now, it was a good matchup. Um, I thought Soriano did enough, uh, maybe just from watching it, that I thought he did enough to maybe win the fight. I thought he was the busier of the two fighters for, for sure. But Nick Maximoff does throw punches and bunches. He's got that Diaz scrap pack mentality uh, where it just move first, keep going, keep going forward. And that's how a lot of these guys have won their fights. And, in, in, you know, you look at the scrap pack pack, you got Jake Shields, who was always a guy who put a lot of pressure on opponents and, and made them, you know, try to get resourceful. And it, sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. Uh, I mean, he was a champ, so, I mean, obviously it did. And then you got, got like, Gilbert Melendez, who, you know, I got to watch in action uh, against Jeremy Stevens. Um, and, and I can tell you straight up, Gilbert Melendez just pushes forward the entire time. But that's that scrap pack mentality. So when I watched this fight, I was like, all right, I want to see what Nick Maximov has when he has that kind of training. Uh, Nate Diaz was in the audience, so I'm sure that was an awesome bonus for him that one of his coaches was there and, and one of his, like, idols, I guess. I mean, hey, Nick Diaz and Nate Diaz are two of my favorite fighters of all fucking time. So it was really, really cool to watch that. And, and it seemed like the pressure was pretty much on the entire time from Nick Maximov. Um, but Soriano, like I said, when I watched the fight the first time, I to, this is one of those fights that I had to watch two times. The first time I thought Soriano did enough. I thought he got the victory. And then I watched it the second time. I thought, ah, okay, usually in the UFC, if you're the busier fighter, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Maximov did win the fight. Uh, I thought he tried enough, you know, takedowns. And he did have him on the ground for a little bit. His punching was pretty precise. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm okay with the decision now that I've watched it for the second time. But, yeah, that was it was a great fight. And a really cool fight card to, like, kind of kick back things. Um, you know, into the apex in Vegas, UFC Vegas 47. It's just crazy to think that they've been doing this 47 times. I mean, like, I was I was talking to Felicia during, uh, you know, our meetup at PAWFC, and I just said, what was it like fighting in the apex? And she just told me it's, it's, it, at that time because there was no fans. It was really weird. So now that these guys have some, like, crowd there and there's some media members and stuff like that, I mean, I'm sure it's a lot of them um, being able to, like, continue to develop and, and get ready for those big crowds because – I mean, it's an inevitable return with big, big, massive crowds coming up. And a lot of these fighters will be on those cards like guys like Nick Maximov and Sean Strickland and, of course, Jack Hermanson. So, I mean, yeah, it was it was a good event to kick things off. I'm really looking forward to this weekend. We're going to recap that or preview that for you, sorry. And we're going to get into all that because um, I had a battle with COVID. And, by the way, wasn't all that bad. Just going to put it out there. I just... I was tired and I wanted to do a podcast, but I just couldn't. So here I am finally being able to recap Palisathena Women's Fighting Championship 1. What an amazing experience. That's all I can say. Uh, I mean, everything about the event was like everything I'd ever pictured um, it being. I mean, realistically, I got to meet some of the coolest fighters in the world. I mean, some of the greatest girls uh, and women in MMA. It just it was crazy. It just every time I turned my head, it was like a legend or an up and comer. And and just times people were training in the hallway down from where I was sleeping. I was like, what is what is that banging? And I was like, oh, shit, they're hitting pads already. It's like I forget that there's a full camp going on. So it was really cool to experience that with the fighters as well. Uh, 
you know, I'll give a ton of props to Clayton and crew. They, they did an absolutely amazing job. Uh, you know, it's just not every day. Um, when you grow up in Canada, especially, I know a lot of us have a, I have a lot of American viewers out there on here. Um, but in Canada, guys like Nick Lewis, who are, you know, former CFL all-stars are, are kicking off the pre-show. I was just like, this is the quality we're getting. This is crazy. Um, but the fight card was even better. Oh my goodness. I mean, and, and I'm going to recap that for you. I got a couple of fights that I thought I'd clue in on and give a couple of shout outs because I had Manuela Marconetto on the podcast. She won her event in the very first fight against Stephanie Assis. So shout out Manuela. It was a great performance. She took her to the basically just bullied her, put her on the fence, did what she had to do and pulled off an incredibly great victory. And I, I thank you again to all the girls who jumped on the podcast Weeks prior up leading to PAWFC1. And, of course, our uh, our main event was a uh, title fight between uh, Andy, the Crazy win, and Laura Fontora. And let me tell you, I was like, in that whole fight, I was really, really confused. And the only reason why is because Andy Wynn is, is, a, is a huge veteran, right? Now, I'm looking at the statistics, and she's been in a ton of scraps. Laura Fontora, obviously a up-and-coming prodigy, uh, crazy good. Uh, she was 6-0 and going into the fight. So I was like, all right, well, as a pro, 6-0 is pretty damn respectable. So when I was watching it and, and obviously sitting on the sidelines doing commentary, um, and I've got to meet both of these girls beforehand, and, and Laura's like this like really cool, laid-back girl like you would never know. Like she's this assassin who just arm bars everybody and gets everybody to tap. Then you got Andy, who was just like, I got to meet her and her husband, and, and they're amazing fucking people, like such good folks. I really do hope that they're part of PAWFC too. Uh, when I was getting to talk to them, they were like very confident that Andy striking was going to be better. But the one problem she had was trying to climatize to Calgary's altitude, which is hard for some of these fighters because they're going and training in, in harder parts of the States where they're not used to that altitude yet. And they come out to Calgary where it's above mountain height. And all of a sudden you're breathing that in and it's getting harder and harder and harder for you to breathe. And at one point I was just beyond impressed because Fontura tried multiple times in the first round to do the takedown in the arm bar, and Andy did a fantastic job uh, defending it, first and foremost, and then hitting her with pretty much unprotected shots, which I'm sure Fontura is going to learn from. Uh, if I'm going to go for the arm bar, I, I need to protect my face, which, I mean, granted, it's harder to say or easier said than done, especially when you have a veteran on top of you like that. But Andy Wynn did a great job in that first round. I had Andy Wynn winning that first round, 10-9. Uh, and for sure, I just thought she was, you know, even though she got taken down, she was a busier fighter on the top. She was hitting her with a lot, like, of unopened punches, and I was very confused by the whole thing. Um, and then we went into round two, and and that's when Andy, you could tell that that altitude, like I brought up, started to hit her a little bit harder than before. And unfortunately, it, I don't want to say it cost her, but you could see that she had grown tired against Laura Fontora. And Fontora, I'm going to call her the arm snatcher. Because this girl gets you in an arm bar, it is game over. Five of her seven victories now, all coming way of the arm bar. It's kind of Ronda Rousey-esque. Like, remember when Ronda would just take everybody's arm, put it in a submission hole with the arm bar, and then it was game over? That's pretty much what Laura Fontour has been doing in her pro records so far. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to watching her continue to develop and becoming an amazing fighter. This girl's only 21 years old. And is 7-0 and as a pro. And now is the recipient of the strawweight title. I'm just blown away by how amazing she was in that fight. She showed a ton of resiliency. 
especially because I said like Andy Wynn was, I, I would say the better of the two strikers for sure. Um, even when it came into, you know, like the introductions by Don Andrews, who got me fired up throughout the entire event, uh, he was sitting there and he was introducing Laura and Laura just kind of had her hands like this the whole time. And I was like, that's eh, weird. And then, you know, you had Andy and she's just hyping up the crowd and she's, she was living off that energy. And I was just like, all right, well, I don't know how the hell this fight's going to go. And it kind of went the way I wanted or thought it was going to in the first round. And then Fontora snapped that arm. And she got in there and got the submission victory. So congratulations to Mrs. Fontora, who I'm sure will be part of PAWFC too. And I cannot wait to watch her back inside the Palladium. And I'm really hoping she's back, um, especially Andy Wynn as well. She is a fantastic fighter. Um, but yeah, moving on, we got Simone De Silva, who is a Golden Glove boxer. She was taking on a up-and-coming prospect with a 4-0 record in Dakota Dicheva. Now, D Dakota's... A Go watch some highlights, folks. This girl's a real deal. Uh, it's only a matter of time before she is in what I would call the higher echelon ranks of the world. Uh, she's very marketable. She's she's just a badass. And for three rounds, we saw that. I mean, Simone De Silva, I will give a ton. And I, I feel like she deserves a ton of respect for stepping up and taking this fight. And the reason why is because she took this fight on eight days notice, which not always the easiest of things to do especially when you have to, again, climatize to the altitude. You're coming from Brazil, and she had fought like three weeks prior in a boxing match. So, I mean, she is a genuine badass. And, I mean, Dakota was geared up. She was ready for a couple of opponents um, with, you know, like I said earlier in the program, with COVID and some of the, the measurements that, you know, other governments have put in place. It made it hard for Dakota to get an opponent. They nailed Simone De Silva. Um, and Dakota, just vicious. Like, that's the only thing I can say to you the entire time. She was absolutely spectacular. Her striking was precise. Her knees. There was at one point she was hitting Simone De Silva. And this is why I said Simone's a badass. She was getting hit with knees, like, left, right, and center, and just straight to the head. And the sound, like, I even had headphones on. And the sound that I could hear from those knees from Dakota was insane. So props to them. I got to meet Dakota's team throughout the weekend too. And they are just spectacular people. Um, and I, I think she's going to have a really, really good career. I really hope she comes back for number two. I know that she said she wants a couple more fights to see if, you know, maybe she's ready for that next step. She's very young. She's only 24. But she has been in the fight game since she was a kid. Her mom is a legend of the Muay Thai world. So um, obviously she's had a lot of influence and a lot of people impact her life. And she got to learn from obviously some of the best and obviously Manchester top team has made her incredible. Like she is a monster in there. So I think she's going to do very big things in the MMA world. And I was so glad like everybody else that was in the crowd that got to witness how amazing her performance was. And again, no, no knock on Simone De Silva. Uh, that was one of the bravest and toughest experiences I've ever seen. And it's so funny because after the event was done, and we're in the fighter lobby. She actually, Simone De Silva came up to us and, and saw the commentary table. And she kind of reached out with her phone. And she's Brazilian. So the, the, the Portuguese, obviously, and the English was a little, little hard to understand. But she goes, you watch. You watch. And she showed us her boxing fight from the previous two weeks ago. And she laid boots to her. So, I mean, it's just like, it's a crazy transition when you're going from boxing to MMA. And, uh, yeah, one of the toughest girls that I've ever seen. I'll watch. And she was great. Uh, Dakota, shout out to her. She's impressive. 5-0 and now. 
as a pro. And I think, like I said, I think she's just extremely marketable. PAWFC has a gold mine on their hands with her. And uh, I really can't wait to watch her develop into this incredible fighter. And again, she's so young that she's going to continue to do that. Um, and, and if you watch the card, of course, at PAWFC.com and you rent it, you would have seen Maria Jukic versus Clara Risignulo. And I'm telling you right now, this is up there with bangers of the year in like even 2021 to now. That was insane. If you can do yourself a service, please go and rent this thing. I know it's still available to watch on hnlive.ca. Go watch this fight because I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. Maria Jukic and Clara went back and forth, back and forth. And it was so calculated. It was a slugfest. The girls were precise with their takedowns. The precision on everything was there. It was one of the best fights that I have ever watched in person, on TV, in front of me, cage side. It was amazing. I mean, these girls went back and forth. They won fight of the night without a doubt. I mean, it totally made sense. Um, Maria obviously picking up the victory over Claire, who's now three and three. Maria moving up to two and zero as a pro. Um, I again, I, one of those things that I said to Clayton when we were all hanging out. I said, "Man, you got a star on your hands with Maria." I mean, even Clara, she was so good. Uh, you know, so many times that Maria would take her down, she would automatically get back up, crawl up the cage, and she was okay. You know, she got rocked a couple times. Maria's got some strength in those hands. She has got bombs. She's a very well-rounded fighter. Um, I, I literally think the ceiling is through the roof with Maria if she continues to do what she was doing. And, uh, I, again, this is fight of the night all day long. Both girls taking home $2,500, which, hell yeah, who's going to complain about that? And the entire crowd, like, when you, if you were guys were there and you got to listen or you watch live, you could hear the crowd absolutely going crazy the entire time for how amazing those two fighters were. So shout out to both of them, Maria and Clara, for one hell of a fight. Again, do yourself a favor, hnlive.ca, go rent it if you haven't yet, or even pawfc.com, click on the buy now link. If you missed it, you don't want to you don't want to miss the entire fight card. It was that good. So yeah, no, great fight, ladies, and uh, an amazing card top to bottom. Everybody here and everybody deserves a ton of credit on that. But then there was, like I said, it was kind of like surreal. Because for a couple of seconds, I mean, I'm just going to dive into this. Chris Cyborg, for me growing up, uh, I'm 30. She's been in the MMA game for 20 plus years. She's won the strap in every single division. She's what I call the Grand Slam champion, right? Like, I mean, she's won it every single place she's gone to, including Bellator where she's at now. And when I met her, I couldn't believe how humble she was. Or just how nice her and her management team was. Because, again, you you hear about meeting your idols. And, and, and she is one. And it was totally cool to meet her. It's just one of those things where you don't understand. You're, like, kind of complex with yourself. You're like, am I really talking to Chris Cyborg? And is she just cool with everything? Like, she literally went out of her way. All these girls, right? A lot of the girls came from Brazil. So having that Portuguese um, conversations back and forth with a living legend. Um, you know, there's that one time where Laura Fontoura was doing the interview with Cyborg and Cyborg was almost brought to tears because she could see that passion in such a young fighter because it reminded her of her. And I mean, Cyborg is just the coolest human being. Say what you will about her. She is without a doubt, one of the most humble and most extremely cool people that I think I'll ever meet. 
and I am glad to have met. Um, the other one was Felicia Spencer, who sat ringside between me and Ryan Ballantyne. And, and Felicia, obviously, an absolute legend of the sport in her own. I mean, she, you know, uh, retired now, but was a number one contender who fought the likes of Amanda Nunes, who fought Chris Cyborg. So, I mean, realistically, it was kind of cool to have all these people in the same room and, and everybody was getting along. I mean, you know how the fight game can be. You say some stuff leading up to fight week, and who knows? People could be friends and frenemies, right? So, uh, but no, Felicia was awesome. I mean, she had so much uh, insightful advice, you know, and, and and talking to her, you know, I always, I, I kind of was curious as to why she called it a retirement when she did. And she was pretty honest. Like, we went for supper, and she straight up said, like, I'm, I'm at the point in my career, I just think I don't need to be taking unnecessary, you know, punishments or hitting or punches or anything like that. I, I just don't. And I got a career that I want to focus on after. And she's been really successful with what she's been doing. Um, obviously, she was ringside with us at PAWFC. And a weekend later, she's at uh, Eagle FC. So, I mean, she's working with Chael Sonnen and the likes of them, too. So, I mean, very valuable experience for her. And she continues to grow into a commentator, which is, you know, I think she's going to do a really, really, really good job with that. But again, Clayton and the entire team at PAWFC made this event one of the coolest experiences that I think I'm ever going to be a part of. And from what I've heard, all extensive talks and, and all the back and forth, it seems like there will be a second card very soon. I can't, I don't know the specifics of when and where, but I can tell you Clayton and team are working very hard on bringing a number two to our, of course, great nation here in Canada. Now, again, all these girls, the one thing I really took away from it, the, the last note I'll leave on this is, is that the girls, just talking to them, obviously I had them leading up to the fight and, and having them on the podcast, but just talking to him in person, it just seemed with the pandemic and everything that was going on, they were so grateful for the opportunity to just prove themselves that they had a, a place in the Palladium that they could actually be who they are because for so long all these girls have been you know there's been restrictions that and restrictions this and it gets harder and harder and harder for these girls to you know have fights going and it's you know at this point now where she is um you, you know these these girls are absolutely excited that they've had this shot and this chance to prove to themselves that we are the best in the world and we will continue to be the best in the world and we have a platform to do so and women's MMA, I've been, a, again, a fan of it from the forefront. I am pushing it to all the extremes and levels. I wanted to succeed, and I was so happy to see such an amazing card start to finish. And, uh, and again, even behind the scenes, meeting these people, it's just absolutely amazing. And I cannot wait for PAWFC, too. Now, with that being said, we're going to go into our next segment. This is called The Future. It's sponsored by Connexus Credit Union and, of course, the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Now, when I talk about the future, we're talking about UFC 271 that is going to be taking place this weekend. Oh, boy. February 12th, we're going to see a hell of a car. Izzy versus Whitaker 2. Middleweight title fight. That sells itself. Robert Whitaker, one of the biggest badasses in the history of the game. You name it. He's done, including being a former middleweight champ. The only thing he hasn't done is beaten Israel Adesanya. But that seems like everybody has lost Israel Adesanya. So, I mean, this is a crazy, intriguing matchup. Um, their styles are just so different. I mean, Izzy's this really, really methodical, like, kind of, I would, like, it's 
it's crazy, but like Dragon Ball Z Super Saiyan hits him and he just does something incredible. And he's an absolutely amazing fighter. And obviously he's a champ for a damn reason. He moved up to the light heavyweight area of the world. He obviously lost. Yon uh, beat him. But I mean, realistically, this matchup is fireworks. So that's taking place this weekend. Uh, Izzy is obviously, if you're into betting, he is the clear favorite right now. Um, but I'm not sleeping on Robert Whitaker. I think Whitaker in that first matchup learned a lot against Israel Adesanya. Um, he, like he said, I, he was during the media so far, he said, I was pissed off. I had a bad weight cut. I wasn't having a lot of fun. And there was a lot of stuff going on in my personal life behind the scenes that I just really couldn't get into fighting. And of course, uh, at that time, Izzy hit him with the head kick and boom, there it was. You know, I just, it was, it was hard to watch. It was hard to see. Because I'm a big Robert Whitaker fan. Big Robert Whitaker fan. And of course, yes. Uh, Ernest commenting, BCMG Hype. That's right, Blue Collar Media Group in the house. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate it, Ernest, so much here. And uh, yeah, shout out to Blue Collar Media Group, the motherboard. They do everything for me. So, hey, what's up? <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, no, Izzy and Whitaker, absolutely an incredible matchup. I'm really looking forward to this one in a massive, massive way. Um, again, Izzy, hands down, biggest favorite. Uh, and then, of course, Whitaker. I just, this is a hard one because if I'm going for picks and I'm going head over heart or heart over head, I guess, my logical sense is I'm going to stay safe. I'm going to make a couple bucks on Izzy, but I like the undercard and I like the underdog on Robert Whitaker. So I'm going to roll with Robert Whitaker in this fight. I think he learned a lot about who he was in that previous fight. And uh, he is going to go in there and I think be a lot more methodical, a lot more calculated, and a lot more advanced than he has been in the past. That leads us to our co-main event of the evening, which of course involves some heavyweights, some brothers in this one. Derek Lewis, the Black Beast. He's just an insane fighter taking on Tui Tui Vasa. I'm sure somewhere Sean Shelby was completely smiling when he got this matchup announced. And I'm sure Tua loved it too. Uh, these guys are both sluggers. This is going to be a brawl. One's a kickboxer. One's an all-out brawler. I don't even think Tua has a style. Tui Voss is just out there. He just throws. He's been coming. He's on a three-fight win streak. He's knocking fucking everybody out. Derek Lewis, as we know, a former number one contender who's been there, done that, seen it in the UFC. And his run in the last three years, can't take it away from him. His balls were hot, and he's still dropping people. So, I mean, it's incredible. If you haven't seen the reference, please go on YouTube. Watch up Derek Lewis's best post-fight interview of all time. My balls was hot. Hashtag Ellie Avril. Um, But, yeah, Tai Tuivasa, going to be uh, an incredible matchup. Uh, this one I'm a little split on as well because uh, Derek Lewis, is ferocious his hands are absolutely lightning quick and his feet like i said as a kickboxer he's he's pretty damn good that way too i would also say that uh tui tui vasa um you know like i said three fight win streak for the kid i mean this is a big break at fight for him if he if he wins this fight I, I put him in the top three he's probably in that contention because Derek lewis has been there and done that so i'm really excited about this matchup a strong strong heavyweight matchup uh, if Ty wins, we all know he's going to fucking crack a buddy and grab a shoe, and, which I've done a couple of them. They're fucking gross. I don't know how he does it every time. And if you ever watch his Instagrams or any of his feeds, he does one on there too. So it's 
It's pretty banana land. But it's going to be a great matchup. Tune in this weekend. UFC 271 Lewis versus Tuivasa uh, is your co-main event of the evening, which I don't think it's going to make it past. I'm going second round finish by two. I think I think Tuivasa is going to pull this off. I just think all the momentum has been on his side lately. He's got a knockout win over Greg Hardy, who shut him up right, right away. I mean, that everybody counted him out in that one. So, I mean, Tuivasa is my pick. I'm rolling with him. I mean, I think he's the underdog in this as well. Uh, so, again, I'm rolling with plus money apparently this weekend. So, I will take it. And then, of course, one of the most intriguing matchups when it comes to the middleweight title contention as well is going to be the third fight of the night, which is going to be Jared Cannier versus Derek Brunson. Saw the post or the pre-fight so far, Derek Brunson's blonde. Doesn't lose when he's blonde. Just saying, I don't know what the fuck the blonde Derek Brunson is. But he's unworldly. But he's been really, really good. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to this matchup. Jared Cannonier is a monster. Uh, when we did our, our BCMG live in Texas, he was the main event. And, man, he was just so good. Uh, thanks for everybody, again, who tuned into that live stream. That was absolutely amazing. But that fight has, this fight has, you know, contention written all over it. I mean, Brunson has lost to Izzy recently. Uh, Jared, I, I think, is the intriguing matchup for Izzy. And Izzy's been asking for it for a while. So there's kind of like this give and take with those two guys. Kananir has been, been asking for this fight. And, and and Izzy has kind of wanted the fight. But Whitaker was the one to make. So like I said, the middleweight division in the top five right now is a little congested. So I think this will do a lot of separation and a lot of freedom from what they're going to be trying to do in the middleweight division. But I really, really look forward to this matchup. It's an intriguing matchup. Uh, Jared Cannonier is a very intelligent striker. He's very precise on his takedown defense as well. Uh, his takedown ability overall is really good too. But Derek Brunson's a force, man. When he comes in there and he shoots at you, not a lot of guys are successful with his takedowns. And he's a big middleweight so he sits there and he gets on top of you and it just elbows and sometimes like obviously submission victories for him in his, his career as well so i mean this is a very intriguing matchup i think this is kind of one of those split money ones if you're going to be betting this weekend um i am going to roll with jared cannonier i think he's going to do just enough to beat Derek brunson but again Derek brunson died his tear back the blonde so blonde Derek brunson doesn't lose wow I can't know anymore. The UFC's wild, man. You, you know, you, you make up all these matchups and you really, really don't know because they're so interesting and intriguing and strong. I mean, this is a very good matchup, like I said, in the middleweight division. So I'm I'm, uh, I'm pretty pumped about this one. But yeah, nonetheless, I just wanted to kind of jump on here and and, and just do a quick podcast, uh, you know, nice little half hour, 40 minute one, and just give a ton of shout outs again to Palestine Women's Fighting Championship. That was an incredible card. Um, I was so glad to be part of it. Like I said, getting to meet some of my idols, including Sarah Kaufman as well, who I forgot to mention how, I don't know, but Sarah Kaufman was just amazing as well. I got to, you know, talk to her behind the scenes and she's a very humble and very intelligent woman. And she's watching a lot of Olympics go Canada, go the men's hockey team just won today, uh, beating team Germany. So, I mean, I know it's not the NHL, but Hey, at least we have the Olympics and there's some recognizable names that are on the men's Olympic squad, including guys like Eric Stahl, who got a point today. So, guys that we, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, UFC 271 this weekend. Make sure you guys are checking it out. Uh, make sure, of course, that you go to BetUS. Gonna fill you in a little secret. Got some stuff coming up with them. So, Make sure that you're tuned in with them uh, and check out what the uh, listings are. I didn't post them for a strategic reason because I'm going to be posting them tomorrow when I know what the actual cards locked in are after weight cuts and everything are done. 
because you never know if a fight gets scrapped and you put money on it. And then I look like an idiot for telling you to bet on it. So nonetheless, thank you so much for guys for tuning in. You can find us of course on Facebook at the boomtown pod where you are watching it. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, also on sasspodnetwork.com and bluecollarmg.com. You can also check out all of our podcasts and all of our videos at pawfc.com as we are officially the media host for them. So with that being said, you guys have a fantastic rest of your Thursday night. Tune into UFC 271 this weekend, and we will catch you in two weeks' time.